All right. So how did the homework go this week? It was another short passage, but again, chock full. Oh, yeah. So how did the homework go? Anything that stood out? Key ideas that might have impacted you? Nothing? Law and faith showed up a lot. Law and faith did show up a lot. Yes, they did. And a man is justified by faith and not by law. Justified by faith and not by law. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that picture of circumcision and uncircumcision. Sometimes that, that concept doesn't mean as much to us as women. We don't think about it quite as much. But it really was like the mark of the law. That was, the, it was, I mean, we think, I, I can't even remember who I was talking to about locker numbers at Mount Calvary and, and somebody had, their daughter had number 667. So she went to go check if there was actually a locker number 666. And there was, um, but it was just, it was interesting. We think, about, we think about that probably as women more than we think about circumcision being a mark. Um, it's just an, an interesting thing to, to remember, to recall. Yeah. Anything else? All right. Well, my kids go to, um, we, we live in the Mannheim Central School District, and so they go to, to Mannheim Central, one's elementary, one's middle, one's high school. But um, if you've never been to a Mannheim Central football game, it is quite the experience. <laughs> um, but I have two children that are in the marching band, and that means that sometimes I get the joy of going to the games to support my children and Friday was one of those nights. Friday was um, I was one of the band parents who was on-field photographer and so um, thankfully that meant my job was halftime and then I was done uh, so I didn't have to stay the whole game but um, it's just they're crazy like yeah it's Wild. Do you have a I do not. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so I was I was there Friday night. They were performing at halftime, um, and it, it because it was homecoming, and so homecoming at at the football game. Ten senior girls were escorted onto the field, many by their fathers, a couple by their brothers. Um, and as they were walk, walked down the 50-yard line and across the football field, there was this, the, the announcer was listing off each of these young ladies' accomplishments, what all she was involved in, just, just all those things. Um, many of these lists were long and filled with variety. The... Um, so then they announced the runner-up, and then followed by the queen, who happened to be one of the drum majors for the band, so go band. Um, <laughs> but, but once the announcement was made, the queen's, queen's name was Maddie, I watched Maddie's face, and she was just in shock. And her hands were shaking. She was just like, couldn't even hold her hands to her mouth because they were shaking. Um, 
she she had to pause before she could even walk away from her father and back to the midfield in order to to accept this this crown. Um, the tiara was placed on her head. She was given a beautiful bouquet of flowers, and then everybody was quickly led off the field because the football teams were ready to come back onto the field. Uh, they had a game to finish, and it's Mannheim Central. <laughs> so, um, exactly, exactly. Um, so all of all of those accomplishments of all those young ladies who were walking across the field were forgotten in a matter of seconds. And even for Maddie, after she comes back in a year to crown the next queen, her tiara will be placed on a shelf to collect dust or hidden away in a box. Um, don't get me wrong, it is something to be proud of. But it's, it likely won't impact her career it's not something that she's going to be placing on a job application later. I was homecoming queen at my high school, you know. Um, but it's, <laughs> you probably would, Sue. It would not surprise me a bit. <laughs> but, but, you know, her husband, because she is, she's a really sweet girl, she is not one that is going to date a guy just because she was homecoming queen. Right? She's not going to, that's not, it, it, it's an accomplishment, and it was a great honor, but it's not something that's going to matter in the long run for her. I am sure that all of you have some big accomplishments in your life. Um, Andrew has started thinking about college and how to pay for college, and so we've had lots of conversations about scholarships, scholarships that we, that Ray and I received. Ray and I both paid for our college tuition through scholarships. Um, they were important accomplishments that impacted the rest of our lives because we didn't have to take out the, the same loans that we could have had to. Um, but 20 years later, I don't boast in those scholarships. They, they were important, but it's not something that I hang on to. So as we look at our passage in Romans 3, um, we're going to see three different questions that Paul answers in, uh, asks and answers in these, in these five short verses. So um, Romans 3, 27 through 31. Was that? Okay. <laughs> So, oh, sorry. So Paul is using these questions that he asks to really complete his argument for justification by faith. Um, 
a reminder you have that chart I uh, yours are pages 53 and 54 I believe of your handouts um, if you want to keep that list continue that list of questions and answers um, so that is something you can do and then um, just a reminder when we say justification by faith that that justification this is the doctrine that describes the way that that through Christ's righteousness God removed our condemnation our guilt and that penalty of sin so what is the first question that Paul asks there in verse 27 what becomes of our boasting yeah what becomes of our boasting those other two questions um, that are, are sort of supporting questions for that first one, the, the by what kind of law and by a law of works, that's supporting that first question. But, but it's really, it, it's what becomes of our boasting. And so before we get to the, the answer, let's look at the word boasting to truly understand what's being asked. So boasting in some versions is translated as glorying. And so when I think about glory, you know, my first thought is never like that I would deserve to be glorified. So when you think about boasting, oh yeah, I boast. But, but when you think about the fact that they're the same word, it kind of changes your thoughts on it, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Um, but boasting is actually a military term and in um, first, yeah, it's, so it's where you draw your confidence and your hope from. And it's what Goliath is doing in 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 11. And that was somebody back there. <laughs> So that's Goliath. He's saying, you know, I'm this big, strong monster of a man. Come and fight me. That's him boasting. That's what what they would do. Um, Throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew equivalent of this word for boasting, for glorying, is used many times, a lot of them in Proverbs as a what not to do. And so we had Proverbs 25, 14. And, and so it's, it's this idea of it, there's no, 
no point in boasting or it actually hurts you to boast. Um, Paul uses this term a whole lot in a lot of his writings, and it, it re generally refers to a confidence in self or in the law or in someone's ability to obey the law. Uh, it, it's an idea of seeking glory before God more than seeking the glory of God. And Timothy Keller, oh, I should have turned off my screen turning. Timothy Keller says, what you boast in is what gives you confidence to go out and face the day. What you boast in is what fundamentally defines you. And so he's saying that people are boasting in their identity, in their self-worth. Uh, and if, if you're thinking that your identity is in your ability to obey the law or in your ability to be a good Christian woman or in your ability to raise good kids, that's, that's what you're boasting in. Um, Paul, like, like I said, talked a lot about boasting. And so we're going to take just a minute and we're going to look at Paul. And so, um, Philippians three verses four through six. So what are some of these things that Paul listed as reasons that he could be confident in the flesh, that he could be confident in himself, that he could boast? Lineage. Circumcision. Pharisee. highly educated mm -hmm. exactly he and he was a persecutor of the early church with right zeal. with zeal yeah <coughs> in the eyes of of the jews there at the last part of verse six it says as to righteousness under the law blameless he had followed all the sacrifices that need to be done. He had followed the, the cleansing rituals. He had obeyed the Sabbath. He had done all those things, listing out his pedigree, his race, professional achievements, education, religion, morality. But then he goes on. Sue, do you have 7 through 11? Yes, I do. But whatever was my, to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surprising greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found for, in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which 
is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and in is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Yeah, so what does Paul say? He listed off all those things in verses 4 through 6. What does Paul say about all those things he listed? Rubbish. Rubbish. Some translations use the word dung, like sewage, right? He says that it counts for nothing compared to Christ. And he's saying he has no confidence in those things that compared to Christ and the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, that there is nothing that gives him confidence to boast. So when we go back to, to our question that Paul asks there in verse 27 in Romans, then what becomes of our boasting? And Paul says, the faith by nature excludes boasting. You cannot boast in something that you did nothing to earn. Uh, you cannot boast in something that you did nothing to earn. Boasting and believing are opposites. Um, Timothy Keller also said, The principle of faith excludes boasting because faith understands that there is nothing we do that justifies us. When we receive Jesus, we give up boasting. And when I'm saying this, I'm talking about boasting in ourselves. We should be glorifying God and, and Christ and all that. But So like Paul did, we have to realize that our best achievements have done nothing to justify us. And when we understand the gospel, we will never boast in ourselves. Our boasting is transferred from self to Savior. And our confidence is not in anything to do with our life, but everything to do with Christ's death. And then um, Galatians 6.14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. So then Paul asks a second question in verse 29. What question does he ask? It's kind of two questions, but it's two questions in one. Two parts of the same question. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? And no Jew of the day would have denied that God was the God of all people. Now, they thought they were special, that they were set apart, but they knew that there was one God, and that one God would judge everybody. And then and, and there was only one God who created, 
And so he had to be the God of all peoples, even though they were the chosen people. So there's a, there's a, a, a he's, he's sort of calling them out on some of this separation right that we've talked about this this racism that the Jews had against the Gentiles and here Paul is just calling them out on it and he's saying you know they you know that there is one God who is creator and judge and if there's only one God then he has to be the God of both the Jews and the Gentiles and if that God is willing to justify the Jews through Christ then he has to be willing to justify the Gentiles also through Christ. So all those who God will justify will be justified in the same way through faith. And so, um, yeah. Then Paul asks a final question. And what's his final question? Yeah. So what do we do with the law? Right? He's saying, he's asking what many would be thinking. If the law can't save me, then is it, is it gone? Is it nullified? Um, and Paul answers in the, in the ESV, it's his signature statement, by no means. Justification by faith is not against the law, because it establishes the law. God obeyed the law when he was working out his plan of salvation, and Jesus completely fulfilled the law. Paul is saying that a gospel believer who is saved apart from the law, who's saved by faith, understands and loves the law more than someone who is seeking to be saved by the law. The fact that the law is no longer a means of salvation does not mean that those requirements have changed. Because in reality, the law was never a means of salvation for us. It was never intended to make it possible for someone to earn righteousness. Jesus was not a plan B. The... Um, the law still exists, the law must still be kept, and in fact, through Christ it has been kept because faith puts the law in its proper place. Jesus was God's plan from the beginning, in reality from before the beginning, and faith in Jesus is what upholds the law. If you remember last week, we looked at the sacrifice of atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. And, and that was the, uh, they had the, the two lambs and, and, or the two goats, I mean, and the ram. And they killed the ram so that Aaron, the priest, could even go into and approach um, the Holy of Holies. And then they had the goat that was to atone, but that was that covering, not the cleansing of the sin. And the, 
uh, God took this or Jesus, sorry, took the sins of the people and imputed his righteousness, his law keeping to us. So Timothy Keller says the gospel upholds the law by demonstrating that law breaking is so serious that it brings death and judgment and that law keeping is so fundamental that no one can pass through judgment without it being kept on their behalf. The law is upheld in Christ's life and his death, not nullified. The law is a beautiful picture of what humanity could be and should be, but it's also a terrifying standard because we fail to meet it daily. And the gospel is what allows us to uphold the perfect standard of the law because we know that it matters enough to God to bring about death but not death for us. We are forgiven, but there are still moral absolutes. And so as we look at what, what Paul is asking in these questions, what he's supporting from, from last week's passage, we, we see the, the importance of still having the law. That's why we still use the Old Testament or part of why we still use the Old Testament. He's not telling us to, to, um, to just pick and choose who we share with. He's not telling us that, that we should be prideful and glory ourselves over, over God and over uh, over the, the righteousness that we've been given through Christ. And so this week, um, we're going to spend a little more time in our small groups. But, um, and next week is election day. So there's no Bible study next week. And, and so you have two weeks to do the whole chapter four. Wow. So... I hope there's not as much packed into the room <laughs> as there was that little bit. <laughs>